For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good to see you there. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, as always, Shane Told, and welcome in as I take you into the backstage conversations that I have with other lead singers. I love what I do so much, and it's not just because I get to pick the brain of my fellow lead singer friends, but also because I get to talk to people that exist in so many different genres of music. And today we have somebody from, I don't know, the stoner rock genre, perhaps. I'm not sure what we're going to label all these different bands. Maybe we'll just call them rock. But regardless, today we have a great episode with Aaron Beam of Red Fang, a band I love so much. I enjoy their music videos especially. I enjoy that they bring an element of humor and fun into sometimes a kind of serious genre. So I'm loving this week. I'm loving this episode. and I'm loving this conversation. So sit back and get ready for another good one. A couple weeks ago, Jeremy from A Day to Remember was here. That's a good one. Go back and listen to that. But last week, I want to thank Mario from Blackout Problems all the way from Munich, Germany for hopping on and talking to me. And, you know, this is a band a lot of people don't know. And I have been getting so many messages all week being like, yo, Blackout Problems, this band is so sick. How do I not know about this band? 
And I love that too. I love that about the show, how many great artists get discovered and how much I can help with that. That really makes me feel good about what I do here at Lead Singer Syndrome. Uh, Before we get to the interview with Aaron, I want to remind you, of course, you can always get in touch with me. You can send me an email. The email address is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read them all. I try to get back to everybody. And also, if you want to help out the show, if you want more content, if you want access to an amazing community and shout out to all my sinners all over the world, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club for as little as $6 a month. That gets you in, gets you all the perks, and it helps us keep the lights on around here. So head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access for all that info. And I'm excited because tonight I'm recording this like a few days before the podcast because I want to give a big shout out to my new editor, Josh Wildhorn. Of course, if Josh wanted to edit that part out, he could. We'll see if he leaves his own name in the podcast, but I'm excited to have him helping out. So I'm doing this a little bit early and tomorrow night we are playing a real life rock show in Quebec. And I'm so excited for that. You can tell maybe I got a little extra spring in my step today, but I just wanted to tell you I'm excited about that. And by the time you listen, it'll already be over and we'll have already rocked Quebec. And I hope there were some people there that listened to this, but regardless, I'm so excited that shows are back, baby. And that's all I have to say about that. But I can't wait to see this band live. So let's get to the conversation that I'm having right here with Aaron Beam of Red Fan. Am I blowed out with my microphone here? No, you sound great, actually. At least, at least to me. Great. You look well, great. I feel great. Oh, good. Actually, I don't feel that great. I feel about it, about average, if we're being honest. But uh, that's okay. You know, yeah, it's been it's average been a is time. way better than shitty. And yeah, we can start right there, huh? How about the last fifteen months? How's that been for you? Uh, what What happened? <laughs> good. Good answer. Just pure denial. That works too. Well, I don't know if you've noticed this, but almost all the time when now that I'm kind of hanging out with more people again, I've realized that I talk about stuff that happened last year and it turns out it was something that happened two years ago. Yeah, that that happened kind of right as the calendar switched over for me, especially the summertime. I kept thinking about, oh, last summer, last summer. Well, wait a second. No, that was 2019. Yeah, exactly. That's the main yeah main one for me too is I got married in 2019 and, and uh, I keep talking about, oh yeah, last summer when we went out to Lake Cushman and got married. Oh, wait a minute. That was two years ago. <laughs> so my wife is pretty mad already that I already can't remember our anniversary. <laughs> There's always something to blame that on. Well, dude, thanks yeah. for doing this, man. Thanks for popping on. Aaron Beam of Red Fang is here. Uh, we just watched your new video for Arrows. Uh, right here, all of us together. So everyone in the chat 
knows what you guys are up to and they know all about the new Katana video, which is looks like a hell of a lot of fun to make. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the idea that Whitey had was he wanted to do another sort of reaction video is the wrong word for it because there's a whole genre of YouTube reaction videos right. now. But um, he wanted to kind of recreate the same thing that he had done with the Wires video, which is just to get our reactions doing stupid stuff. So you can see how fun it actually is through our experience. Now, now, how did you come up with all the different ideas of the things to... Uh... To, to destroy or to katana if we can use that as a verb right uh sure let's do it <laughs> uh, well how did how did that happen did you did you guys make a like i just picture you guys sitting on that couch that you're in at the beginning of the video making a list like what would be cool to to slice in half or was your director whitey was he the guy kind of coming up with the, all the ideas was there a bunch of stuff that didn't make the cut uh haha it's oh. uh didn't even mean Did that even... one. Damn, no. <laughs> fuck. I wish I had. I got to go rewind that one. I'm going to edit that on the exactly. podcast so I look really funny. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> there, I'm sh like most of the ideas were Whitey's. I think that he had the idea just for the, the video in general a while back and then had been working on all the little, you know, it's all about just those little moments. And so he had already compiled a pretty huge list. And I think that we, you know, it's, so long ago now that we were in the creative stages of trying to figure out what to oh, yeah. do that I actually can't even remember what the conversations were about. I'm sure that we came up with some of those ideas, but I think most of them are probably just Whitey's. Just, he's constantly thinking of stuff like that. <laughs> no, that's cool. I mean, I mean, you know, you guys are in a genre like, I don't know, stoner rock is what people like to call you guys. I don't know if you want to, if you're taking that term and running with it, or if you just want to call yourself a, a heavy band, a rock band, metal band, whatever. But I feel like in that genre, there is so much great personality, but it doesn't always make it out of the, like, it's always behind the scenes. You know what I mean? So many bands just yeah. are so serious, uh, ultimately about what they do, or the jokes are just not put out there like you guys are just you guys are just out there showing your 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 personalities your character and having a good time with it which which is is i think it's a special thing well i think that um some of that we actually owe to at least for my part um owe that in part to whitey and his his idea for the wires video was one that i was kind of uncomfortable with at the very beginning i was like not really sure because the song the lyrics are like pretty serious it's right. about, you know, some kind of uh, intense subjects of like whatever class disputes and stuff like that. But um, uh, so I was like, I'm not really sure if it's a good idea to have such a just totally jokey, silly video accompany this kind of serious song. But then I think through the process of having that happen and then also just that made me kind of reflect a little bit more on what the reality of our lives are, which is that there's a lot of serious stuff that happens in everybody's lives, but I personally don't internalize it like crazy. And I don't like live every single day just mired in darkness, you know, like as a band, <laughs> we're just shooting the shit and joking around and being idiots all the time. Right. And then the band is like where we put that kind of, that's our outlet for the seriousness. The music is. And so we want that. I think that that thing sort of just reflects more of what actual reality is. And I think you're right. Like a lot of times you don't see that from certain bands, maybe because they, you know, we were like in our mid thirties when we started. And I think that we were just kind of past that stage of trying to prove anything to anybody. We we're just kind of doing what we wanted to do and having fun 
for our own sake. And so, yeah, I think that sometimes people get a little bit too caught up in their own art or they feel like it's like going to reflect poorly on their music if they show another like less serious side to their personalities or something. I don't really know. No, 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 100%. And, and yeah, you start out, talk about starting your band in your mid 30s. That's, I mean, that's very rare. You know, uh, you, you sometimes, I mean, for the most part, every band that's ever done anything has started in their early 20s, late teens. And then a lot of bands that'll be, you know, oh, wow, you guys started when you were in your late 20s. Well, that's weird. But mid 30s to actually start a band and take it seriously and go somewhere and make it a career. That's that's literally unheard of. Um how did that all happen? And, and and was this something you intended on kind of making your the rest of your life? Uh, I mean, I always, you know, I, I, I when I was eight years old, I begged my parents to no, 10 years old, I guess, eight years old. I was in third grade. I begged my parents to sign me up for piano lessons. So I've kind of always had a really strong internal motivation to play music. It's just this unstoppable force, I guess, inside of me. Um, yeah. And I think that all four of us had played in a whole bunch of bands throughout our lives that were like not really necessarily, they weren't successful, but I think it's partly because they just weren't that good, if I'm being honest. And we knew, and we knew why our bands weren't that good. And it's because all of our bands were sort of like overly thought out, like way too many riffs, kind of math rock, just like not very catchy, just not really well constructed songs if you're trying to write something that somebody's going to actually latch onto. Right. And I think we all realized like we've been spinning our wheels and bashing our heads against the wall for years and years and years in all these bands and not achieving, not only like missing out on any kind of success on a, you know, like financial side or whatever, but not really having success, like having as much fun as we wanted to playing music. So I think that that basically where Red Fang came from was like the other guys had been in a band called Party Time, which sort of was their first. We're going to actually just play music that's fun and, stu you know, like dumb guy music, quote unquote. But actually is like, as everybody always says, writing simple songs is way harder than writing, you know, <laughs> an effective simple song is much harder to write than, you know, a super overly complicated song. It's always easy to just add another part. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's so true. Yeah, but so I guess that's kind of where I came from was that we just we were all sick of playing the kind of music we had played for years and wanted to play something that was just more fun and kind of true to what got us into music in the first place. Right. Well, your new record, Arrows, is out June 2nd. So just about a week away. Um, fifth, Your fifth album, your first in a while, five years. Has this record been recorded and done for a while? Is it the kind of thing you didn't want to put out during a pandemic or is this, are these songs newer? No, that's exactly right. That it's uh, the pandemic made us uh, have to reconfigure everything because we had a release date at end of end of May 2020. We had a tour lined up, um, but the kind of band we are, we just didn't want to because we knew we couldn't tour and we didn't know when we'd be able to tour. We wanted to wait until touring was a little bit more certain before we put the record out. So that's pretty much what it was. We were done end of December 2019. Okay. Wow. Crazy, right? So it's, is it is it weird doing interviews like this and having to describe, like if I were to ask you at a specific song and you, you're like, I don't know, I don't fucking remember. It was like, I wrote the song two years ago. Like, is that a real issue now? Like, it's just a strange thing for a musician, right? 
it is. There's like some, there are some parts of that for sure. Like I had to, um, after I did the first couple of interviews, I was like, oh, this will be whatever, normal interview stuff. And then some questions started coming up and I was like, oh, geez, I actually need to go listen to the record again because I <laughs> put it on a shelf. You know, I was just like, got to a point where, okay, I can accept this. We're not going to go on tour. Stuff's not going to happen. So right. I just had to put it out of my mind in it's, a way. But yeah, yeah for sure. It was a little, little awkward at first, but I'm, I'm used to it again. Especially not playing the songs. Like, you know, at least if you were playing the songs, you'd have that memory of them. But I know from my own band, you know, and you, probably you guys too, you know, you go on tour, you don't play all your songs. So there's some songs you maybe never played live or, or has been a while. And then you'll hear them and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's how that goes. Like you kind of forget, you know, it's, uh, but it's funny when it's a new record. Like, have you done, um, have you done one of those track by tracks yet? They like to do them in the UK where they make you talk about every single song. I, I think I, yeah, I did a couple of those and that was like, I, we have the benefit of half the songs basically are Brian's songs and half of the songs are my songs when it comes to like lyrics and, and usually sort of like the main kind of riff or whatever that drives the song. It's not, that's not totally accurate, but, um, it means that I can just pass on half of them. <laughs> there you go. That's so much easier. A uh, couple cool things, though, I read about this record. Probably my favorite one is that you re actually recorded the drums in a pool. Yeah. Uh, well, not not for all of the tracks. The the, uh, yeah. the studio that we recorded at um, was built by the the guy who started Nike skateboarding, and so he repurposed this old candy factory. And in the process of renovating it, he had like the premier skateboarding bowl concrete guy come in and build like a skateboarding bowl right next to where the studio, is, the recording studio is. And so Chris Funk, who record, who produced the record, he produced two years worth of records in there and had tried it at some point with one of his other okay. bands okay. and was super into it. And it, it, we only put it on a couple songs because it's such a huge echoey sound. Yeah. It's just this concrete box that it wouldn't work for like a fast song, but for the songs where there's a lot more space, we're like, you know, it might actually sound cool. We've always wanted to do these like super spacious drums and always thought like, oh, we'll just put a ch shitload of reverb on it or whatever, but right. never really did it because it just didn't sound putting, you know, like plug in reverb on drums just doesn't sound as cool as having the recording actually be the thing you want. So that's how that no, no, about. for sure. And, and, and I mean, sure, bands do that all the time. They'll put a microphone down a hallway in the studio or whatever and try to get some room capture. But this was really outside the box. And I guess I was, that's what I wanted to ask you is if you were the guinea pigs or he, I guess he tried this before. But of course, every time you do something, you figure out a new like place to put a mic or, or whatever. Um, right. But how, the question for, how did, how did you get, how did you get the studio to the pool? Did you just have like this little mobile setup? Like, did you just, like have eight eight channels to to run to mic it off or how did that work the pool was is literally like you have to be careful while you're loading your equipment in because if you go stray too far you'll fall into the pool and like crack yeah. your skull <laughs> so it's like they just had long cables i mean it was really it's like the studio doors are probably 10 feet from where the edge of the pool is oh so okay. the studio oh the studio was all inside the studio okay. was, is a separate structure a uh, building inside of a building i mean it was you know this the guy who built it is like a super millionaire so it's a very fancy building but yeah there is some it's, there the element of guinea pig for us i think is that we actually added all of the pool 
drums after we'd already finished tracking the songs. So John actually had to go back and he had to, he was overdubbing drums. So he was replacing his existing drum tracks by just like cranking the drums in his headphones and then playing along with it, which is like, I don't know if any drummer has ever done that before, but that's some pretty advanced. So you guys don't play, so the songs weren't recorded to a click track. A couple were, but we, the, we, the first time we ever recorded to a click track was on Only Ghosts. We've always just uh, just let the push and pull, the natural sure. push and pull happen. No, and, um, that, and that totally in the style of music you play, like you hear that a lot in a lot of styles. So that, yeah, but that would be so hard to replace drums with no click or no, no guidance. You just, yeah, because yeah, taking a lot of tries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it, he did it. So kudos to John. Good for him. That's crazy. So another uh, another thing about you guys from Portland, Oregon, pretty proud of it. You know, it seems like it comes up a lot. I think, was it you wearing the uh, the Blazers hat the other day? Um, oh, that's that's Brian. Brian is a, a pretty big Blazers fan. I kind of fell off when they traded Rasheed Wallace away. but Oh, that's a uh, while back. <laughs> I, loved yeah. Rashid, I loved Rasheed Wallace, man. That guy didn't give a fuck. Like, led no. the league in tactical fouls every year. Like, he was He was great. Yeah, but he, and he was, but he was like one of the top, you know, when you look at those, not to nerd out too much on basketball, but when you look at those metrics of like point differential, when somebody's on the floor versus not on the floor, he was in the top five most years, but did not get credit for it. And then I was just mad at, at the Portland fan base and at the, at the team, at the management of the team, because, uh, I think the fans basically put a bunch of pressure on because of the technical fouls or like, let's get rid of that guy's trouble or whatever. And it was like, right. no, he's actually a, I think he got kind of like marked, you know, by the officials. I don't think he was nearly as bad as people thought he was. And then he just didn't talk to the media. And so people didn't <laughs> like him because of that. So they kind of, I feel like he got run out of town unfairly. Right. And then, right. but then he wins a championship with the Pistons. So that's right. That's, and I remember that cause I, I used to date a girl in Detroit. I actually live right outside Detroit, but I live in Canada. So I live right across the border. I don't know if you've ever been to Windsor, Ontario. Windsor, Probably. of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you have. Oh, okay. Really? Oh, you know it. Okay, cool. Not everybody does. But but no, I remember when he got traded and everyone's like, oh, this guy, I don't know about him. And then of course everyone loved him in Detroit. And <laughs> he was I mean, he was he yep. was pivotal to that that championship team that had no no not really any stars, you know, defense right. first and, and all that. So the analytics played a role. And we can talk about basketball forever because I'm a huge I'm a huge sports fan, but typically people like to hear about the music. <laughs> you know? That's yeah, what you probably don't want to hear my sports takes, especially like 20-year-old Blazers takes. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a Harold Miner jersey back in the day. Was that oh maybe ah. oh, wait, was that no no never mind. That was a heat jersey. Same colors. Oh, right. I got it right, at a, right, right. I got it at a thrift store, which didn't get it in Portland. I feel like Portland has more thrift stores than anywhere in America. There's a um, lot. What's the yeah. climate like though? I mean, starting a band obviously at a, at a later age in a place like Portland where I don't know. It's kind of a weird music scene. Like every, like there's a lot of forward-thinking, progressive people in Portland, and I really like that about it. But there's also a lot of people that are very cool, like almost too cool. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I think every place probably has some degree of that. But I think one of the great things about Portland is how diverse the music scene is, and that almost anything that you're interested in, you're going to be able to find some sort of like pocket of that there. Uh, at the time that we started. 
heavier music was not really Portland was not known for that. And so we got used to get a lot of questions about like, you're like the only heavy band from Portland. What's that right. like? And we're like, no, we're not. We're just the only heavy band you've heard of from Portland. <laughs> there's there's a lot of them. It's just that everybody's too preoccupied with, you know, all of the like pop bands and uh, electronic bands. But I think that the fact that there's just so much going on creatively there all the time, it can't, can't be a bad thing because it helps just create a... It's an environment where music and creativity is supported in general because there's just so much there's a lot of attention and which you know leads to money and there's more resources available so practice spaces are hard to find but being able to get a slot at a venue is is a lot easier there maybe maybe it's harder i don't know (laughs) but yeah yeah absolutely uh i wanted to ask you about relapse records too i mean obviously you've been on the label now this is your fourth record with them and they're a label obviously known for being just huge, you know, huge metal label for a long time. What was the process in getting signed to them like? I always I always love to ask artists that how how that happened. I know you were on a label before for your for your debut LP, but how did that happen? It was a little strange. I don't think it was the typical process, but maybe this exactly the same as everybody's answer, which is um yeah, we had a one record deal that we'd done with Sergeant House. And Sergeant House actually was the second label to, to put out that record. Uh, there was a label out of um, Missoula called Wantage that they released our record first. And so let's give them credit for being the first people to take a chance on us. How does that work? How um, does a record get released and then released again? Uh, because it was essentially... Wantage was just one guy, this guy Josh. And we sort of just like strong-armed him into releasing it. Not exactly. You can't really <laughs> force somebody to pay a bunch of money to make your records. But he basically just was like, I'll help pay to press this record and put it on a slightly better, you know, material or whatever. Um, and then we'll just split it 50-50. So we didn't sign a contract or anything. It was just a guy out of his house. I and see. so I we see. chatted with him about, you know, we signed a contract for with Sergeant House. Um, but we only had a one record deal. And so we had a little bit of money and so we recorded Murder the Mountains on our own and Chris Funk, who had produced it, said, I'll help you find a label. That'll be part of what I do because he, you know, he knew a bunch of people. He's like way more inside the industry than we were and he approached Relapse and they said, no, thank you. And then <laughs> he said, okay, let's try again. I want to bring you guys down because some of them had moved to Portland and so okay. he brought them to one of the local clubs and like cranked the album over the stereo. And they're like, cool, man, but no, not our cup of tea. So they turned us down twice. <laughs> and then uh, we hired Laurel Stearns as our manager. She had actually approached us years before, like, you know, one of our first shows outside of Portland. And when she approached us, I thought she was joking about wanting to manage us. She'd asked, you know, it was like four or five years before I had asked if, if we wanted a manager. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. Um, but, uh, Chris Funk brought her up because she had managed the Decemberists for a long time. I think she got them signed to, to Columbia. Okay. Um, and so he was like, I've failed twice. No other labels seemed interested. We're thinking like maybe TP would be into it or like, there's a bunch of labels that, you know, we tried Kamado and Laurel came in and I think she was just like, you guys would be stupid not to sign this band. And they said, okay, well, we don't want to be stupid. So (laughs) that was basically it. Basically fail fail hire hire laurel, laurel and then um success <laughs> that's a funny feeling though right like so just like every that's exactly what everybody has said so far right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh no that's that's a new one man 
I, I have heard of li- of bands getting kind of turned down by a label, but usually it's like, okay, this is our new materials better. And then the label gave them another chance kind of thing. Not the same yeah. record that was already recorded. That's right. the craziest part of it. Yeah. Third time's a charm. <laughs> when you look back at that album, I mean, how do you feel? I mean, it's uh, 10 years old now, I guess. Actually, last month, just turned 10. How That's do you right. feel looking back at that record and, and you know, obviously it's when you were a newer band, you know, not on a, you didn't have all the experience of touring and everything. How do you, how do, how do you feel about it now? I just kind of started thinking about this recently because... I think somebody pointed out that, oh, you know, your new record came out almost 10 years, coming out almost 10 years after uh, Murder the Mountains. And Mm -hmm. I always, I never really thought about the record as being the thing that kind of changed stuff for us. I always, you know, I only ever focused on videos in the past. But truth be told, like that record is really what changed the trajectory of my life. And it's pretty interesting to, I mean, it was, you know, part of, it was one of several pieces that changed it. Prehistoric Dog, the video for that was kind of what set everything in motion. But because, you know, obviously the video for Prehistoric Dog was not quite good enough to even get our, get us a deal for our second record without hassling the hell out of somebody. <laughs> uh, so we, you know, there's a good chance we could have just fizzled out at that point. But it is... It's interesting to think about it in terms of what it did for our career. It obviously turned us into a uh, viable like source of income for all of us. Um, we, yeah. you know, we all quit our jobs to support that record, uh, and then didn't have to work for ten years until the pandemic came. But the other thing about it is that it's the last record that I ever made where there was zero expectations or pressure from anyone at all. That it was sort of the end of an era. You know, like I said, we were in our mid-30s when we started Red Fang. And I had been playing and writing and playing and recording music since I was 15. So I'd spent 20 years just like, oh, this is just something that I do because it's I, I have to and I want to and it's fun. And recording is just like, I, I guess that's part of what you do. You know, like you go to college after high school or whatever. But I never thought about like turning it into it. Like I, w- of course, wanted to. But I was just like, I'll never be a professional musician. I'm going to probably just be a teacher, like high school teacher or something. So it's pretty interesting looking, you know, thinking about thinking about it in those terms of it being sort of like the last one that I really the last musical thing that I did that was just completely free of any kind of expectations at all, you know, whether they're internal or external or whatever. Yeah, totally. That's well, that's a good point. I mean, not not even just that, just just the expectations. Well, not even expectations, knowing people are going to see it. You know, knowing a lot of people right. are going to to hear it, and that uh, I think that's why a lot of bands sometimes make mistakes on, let's say, their sophomore record because they know there's people listening, and they they try to change it or they they kind of water themselves down without knowing it. So, yeah, that's uh, that is an interesting take. It can also just it can just like in our experience, I think because I think it just psyched us out. You know, right? You're not even thinking necessarily about like should I change this because maybe people won't like it if I do it this way? It's more just like you kind of almost get writer's block in a weird way. You know, you get a little bit paralyzed because you're overthinking, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's it's hard to exactly put my finger on, but that's sort of what I meant mm. when I said the thing about this most recent record felt the most like Murder the Mountains 
the process oh, yeah. of writing and recording it felt more like that than any than the other two records, Whales and Leeches and Only Ghosts. I mean, those were great and fun to like, especially Only Ghosts was super fun to make and record. It just still didn't feel kind it didn't have that feeling of like, whatever, let's just do whatever, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> What was your job before, like you, you mentioned, you know, you guys got signed to Relapse and you were able to do, you had to take all these tours and, you know, be a full-time band. So you had to quit your job. I mean, maybe it was liberating. Maybe it was scary. What 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 were you doing before? Uh, what I was doing right before the job I actually left was working as a puppet department coordinator for a stop motion feature film production or studio. So, oh wow, <laughs> that doesn't sound that a bad. little strange. That sounds, that sounds no, very no, strange. Actually, very I, strange, uh, but kind of sounds kind of fun. Yeah, it's like still in the creative world. I was very lucky to have gotten the job in the first place, and then uh, was also lucky that during the pandemic there was actually three productions going on in Portland, uh, and I lucked into getting a job at one of them. So actually, um, last Friday was my last day. I started like end of March of 2020, and then wrapped up my part of it just last week. Oh, wow. So you were able to... That's that's really great because I'm, I'm sure you guys and the rest of your band too, you and the rest of your band, I mean, there's always a fear, right? I mean, oh, well, everything's shut down. We have this whole plan record coming out and we're supposed to be on tour making money to support our families and stuff. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think for you guys, if you started your band in mid third, I do, I do the math. I don't think you can just go move in with your parents again. Uh, no. you know, <laughs> so, so that, yeah, that's, that's really scary. But you answered my question by just saying, Hey, you'd be able to find something right away in the field you were in before. That's, yeah, that's very lucky. But I've also been pretty lucky with jobs my whole life. Like I started out, um, I have a degree in biology and I started working in my dad's lab. He's a scientist in uh, when I was 15 and then, you know, did some lab work, worked in a couple different labs right out of school. But then I've like, I worked at uh, like local paper as a marketing director for, you know, just local weekly, like music paper kind of, um, yeah. I've done construction stuff and I ju have just done a little bit of everything. I've never really wanted for work for whatever reason, I'm able to pick up a lot of different things pretty quickly. And I'm pretty good at, at bullshitting in interviews. <laughs> including All this one. All kinds of interviews, including this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually well, not even in Red Fang. <laughs> as, a, as a biologist, uh, what's your take on the whole pandemic, vaccines, uh, all that stuff? Do you have any thoughts uh, or knowledge or anything insightful to say about it to anyone? I definitely, no, I definitely don't have anything ins insightful to say. I basically just, I was following all of the, the news and the, what the scientists were saying a little too closely for a long time. And it kind of like started messing with my brain. And so I've been fully vaccinated since beginning of February. Uh, and basically once that happened, I was just like, just waiting for everybody to get vaccinated because I want to hang out with people without my mask on again, you know? Right. And, uh, and I want to be able to play shows and have everybody feel safe and secure and, and, you know, for the disease not to continue to kill people. So yeah, no there real insights, just don't be a pussy and get vaccinated, you know? Okay. Okay. Yep. I got my first one. I got the, uh, AstraZeneca one, which you can't yeah. get in the States. And, no. uh, it, it kind of kicked my ass, uh, for yeah. about 36 hours. It was, but, uh, yeah, I'd do it again. Is it, so you get two doses with that one though? Yeah, you do. 
Um, and they told me the second one's not for 16 weeks, which seems Whoa. like a very, lo- very long time. So not yeah. the second one isn't supposed to happen till, till August. So hopefully, you know, it's on schedule and we can, you know, we're good for the fall for touring yeah. or, or whatever uh, is going to happen. Do you guys have uh, anything on the books right now for, for touring or anything announced? Uh, nothing announced. Well, there's a few things that have been announced. So we're uh, playing Psycho Las Vegas in August, uh, which is in, can you guess where that one might be taking place? Um, Reno. And then we are doing, uh, no, it's in Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> and then we're playing a uh, festival called Louder Than Louder Than Life, Louder Than Live. I'm really good at talking about <laughs> Don't I'm find a professional. It. <laughs> promoting myself um uh it's a festival it's in um louisville or louisville kentucky end of september and then we're also playing with all them witches at the ryman in nashville uh on halloween so okay those are pretty, pretty exciting shows and then there might be an announcement coming up pretty soon like in a week or so about right. some other dates nice that's yeah that's great well getting back to some normalcy new record arrows coming out in just about a week and new video for arrows coming out any more videos in the works or is this are you are they all out there now no there's well there's one that just came out yesterday for a song called why and it features some um animatronics and like some pretty crazy cool looking masks and pizza so (laughs) i recommend that one okay we'll Um, we'll watch it when we'll watch it after i let you go because nice. uh, the the chat was loving the arrows video, so oh good, good, good. Well, hopefully they like this one too. Uh, and then um, we are supposed to shoot another just kind of like quick and dirty video, uh, probably in a couple, maybe like end of June, beginning of July, somewhere in there, um, with just the four of us. So yes, there should be. There's a second video, and there should be a third video soon, and maybe a fourth video will will come before we go on tour. Cool. Well, which with the bar, you know, raised so high, you guys have raised that bar for your own videos. Um, is it hard now? Is it scary now? If if you put out a video like you said, quick and dirty, like, is are your fans going to just be like, oh, well, that they didn't. This isn't as cool as the other video. Like, is that a fear? Uh, not anymore. I mean, I yes, there. It was actually wires again. The wires video was the one that I was the last time that I remember thinking, ooh, I don't know, like. That's not entirely true. That was the first time I thought it uh, because we had set the bar so high with Prehistoric Dog. And I was like, there's no way that this next video is going to be as good as the first one because it's just like perfect. Um, but it ended up being as good or better. Or just it's different. But I think it's it. I ran into a bunch of people like shortly after that record came out on tour that were like, oh, I saw your video. And I thought they meant, you know, I just assumed they meant Prehistoric Dog. But they were actually talking about the right. Wires video and never seen Prehistoric Dog. But then the other time that was, it was like the first time that we released a video that wasn't directed by Whitey. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, but we've done enough now that, yeah, we ripped that bandaid off. So I'll put any old crap out there now. <laughs> there you go. No, people are talking about uh, the video where y'all cash the check and just blow up a bunch of shit. <laughs> yep, exactly. Pie Jammin's love loving it. So there you go. Yep. Cash a check and then just slice through a bunch of shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> with the with the arrows video because we all just watched it. Um, do, did you have a bunch of swords? Was there really only one sword? Did you really break the sword? And that was the end of the video, or how, how did that all all work out? Because I like that that was uh, 
that was in the story. Yeah. Do you like? Do you want me to tell you the truth, or do you want it to be a mystery? You, uh, I'll let you <laughs> tell me what you want. I, I uh, wouldn't mind the truth, to be honest, as a in- music insider. But you tell me what you want to. Sure. No, I'll, of course I'll. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to. I try to be as open and honest about everything all the time as I can, to maybe to a fault. But um, uh, there were two swords because the one that we used to slice things was fully real and pretty scary because it was really, really, really sharp. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but then there was a fake one for doing a lot of the, um, there was like a, a one that was dull that he had actually dulled down even more that we would use for some of the, the like stunt stuff so that we weren't going to, you know, like if you, it was they're heavy too. So if you're like doing something and then you slip, and like the blade dropped on you, you're not going to be very happy about that. Like when so, you give the guy, like when you're at the restaurant and you pass the food across the table, like that kind of a thing. Yeah, that kind of stuff. You don't right. want to have like an actual sword because if you slip, you're going to like slice the guy's face open. So um, <laughs> it would have been bad anyway, but it, you know, not nearly as bad with the dull sword. So yeah, we used, we had a stunt sword and the one that we cut was the stunt one because I think the stunt one was even. Even that one was like a couple hundred bucks, but the real one is like, <laughs> I think it was close to a thousand or something. So, no, but yeah, no, that's... actually, like, we had to, I used the real one for that scene where I um, stabbed through my foot. It's like totally, you know, it's not even my leg hanging down there. It's just like a fake foot. But even that, I was like, my other foot is on the ground, not that far away. So I was like, actually kind of nervous about it. I better aim this right because. I could totally stab through my own foot very easily with this sword because I had to use the sharp one to be able to get through the, the shoe. Oh man, that's great! Yeah. No, no, um, no accidents though. Luckily, right? Uh, I don't think so. No, on this one there were, there weren't really any accidents. No. What's the worst accident you've had on all your videos? Um, for me, it was probably I well. As a band, I think the probably the worst thing was actually when we drove through, like there's a stack of pickle jars and uh, f- f- uh, bags of flour and watermelons is one of the first things that we kind of drove through uh, in the wires video. And it just, one of the watermelons, well, when, when they were stacked up and we were looking at it, we were like, wait, I don't think this is, those are like above the hood. They're like higher than the hood. That doesn't seem like a very good idea. And he was like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And we're like, um, okay, uh, I guess so. And uh, one of the watermelons, you know, because we smashed through everything else and we're going like 50 miles an hour, it just went right through the windshield and oh. actually hit Brian in the head. Uh, but luckily, it was kind of a glancing blow and he had a helmet on. So he actually wasn't really hurt, but it did like there's glass all over the place and we like, we're all cut up from from that, oh. but uh, the like the that was the most dangerous thing probably we did, and I don't recommend it. No, but um, the most injuries like we haven't really gotten injured during our videos that much. Like prehistoric dog was probably the worst because those the beer can armor didn't really have any protection on the inside, so all those cans had like little edges, and we were just like getting sliced all over the place while we were shooting uh, that one. So yeah. it was fine. <laughs> I mean, I was we were young. We were in our late thirties. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Well, uh, yes. New video for Y out just a couple days old. Arrows out as well, and all the other legendary Red Fang videos can be watched on YouTube. Everyone, check them out. New record, also called Arrows, is out June second. Don't miss it. 
And yeah, man, anything else to tell the people? Uh, I thought of this this morning. Like people always ask, do you have anything else that you want to add? Yes. And I realized that there's one thing that I want to add. I don't know if this is totally pointless, but I want to do it anyway, which is that uh, I know that lots of times teenagers, you know, it's a, people identify themselves with the music that they listen to. That's something that I did for sure, like wore the uniform and felt like this is my music and blah, blah, blah. But if you don't like some kind of music, don't waste your time hating it and talking shit about it. Just, just don't listen to it. <laughs> you know, like who sure. cares? Like what do we, just like the things that you like and listen to those and ignore the stuff that you don't like. It doesn't make any damn, you're wasting your time and effort spending, you know, being negative about stuff that you don't need to be negative about. It's true. I think these days, at least younger people, there's just so much shit going on. I think more important people are realizing this. It's like, right. who's got time to hate on stuff when there's so much stuff I can like? You know? There's so much stuff out there now and there's so much stuff that's awesome. Go look for that instead of wasting your time commenting on something that you don't like. Many, many, many people have like a giant list of things that they don't like. And if you spend all of your time focusing on that, what in the hell? What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? That's right. We talk about Rashid Wallace. We didn't We didn't sh talk any shit on any other NBA players at all. Just our love for Rashid Wallace. And that's exactly. it. And we're going to leave yep. it right there. So Perfect. Aaron, thank you so much for doing this, man. Um, once again, the record, it's out. Go listen to it. Yes, please. All right. Take care, man. Thank you. So there it is with Aaron. What a great dude. Guy is hilarious. I love this conversation so much. And not just because we got to talk about basketball. But please go check out the new record from Red Fang. Just go on YouTube and binge watch all their videos. You're going to love them. They're going to make you laugh. And go see Red Fang whenever they are coming back through your town. I want to thank you so much for listening to this. As always, next week we'll be back again with another great episode. Check out the All Access Club if you've got the means. I highly recommend it. Otherwise, I'm going to leave you with a great tune and a great video too. Check it out. Here it is. Arrows from Red Fang on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you next week.